Welcome to SaaS Open Mic by Chart Mogul. I'm Ed Shelley. It's time to focus on the consumer side of subscription businesses for a moment. And we're not even talking consumer SaaS here. This is a consumer subscription for a non-software product. Don't switch off though. There's much to be learned from Jukely founder, Bora Chalik. The music event scene is a tough segment to crack. Many startups have tried and failed along the way, trying to use technology to change the way people consume live music. So why is Jukely equipped to succeed where others haven't? I took a lot away from this conversation that can be applied to any subscription business, SaaS included. Bora has a thirst for constantly experimenting and adapting his product, which he sees as a constant work in progress. So without further ado, here's my chat with Bora Chalik, founder of Jukely. Hey, so I'm here today with uh, Bora from Jukely. Um, Jukely is, Bora, I hope I get this right. It's a subscription for live music events. So it's like Netflix, but for live music events in real life. Is that correct? Right. It's it's a subscription for going to live music events, Yeah, uh, yeah. basically. So you subscribe, um, you know, we have different price points, but, the, you know, start from $25 a month and you can technically go to one concert per day. You know, mm. If you can make it, you can go to 30 concerts a month. That's you know, crazy. It's not that it do that, but the possibility is there, yes. Do, do you have anybody doing that? Is that a thing? Well, sometimes some of our members take up on a challenge uh, and they want to do 30, 30 shows in 30 days. There's like a hashtag 30 shows in 30 days. <laughs> That's great. But then uh, they kind of drop out two-thirds of the way. Something comes up and they fail. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know, uh, well, they they try. You know, it's sure. uh, it's it's not that easy. You know, you have to get out the house and find a good show, and mm. you know, uh, that's a lot of work. But I can I can see there, like one of the comparisons with something like Netflix is that it kind of does encourage this kind of binging behavior, right? And and mm-hmm. um, our founder Nick actually, uh, we were talking about consumer subscription the other day, and he he said the only or the best uh, kind of case for uh, consumer subscription is when the value for the consumer is just for the for the price they're paying is just overwhelming and that applies i think with netflix um and it seems that it, it would apply with jukely as well yeah it would uh I, I it is very similar to the consumption behavior in netflix in such a way that when we go to netflix a lot of the movies that we see are movies that we normally wouldn't seek ourselves because they're just different Mm. kinds of indie movies or stuff that we haven't heard of but since you're paying for it you watch it because it's affordable entertainment um and then you kind of you kind of like it and become fans of new actors or you know new movies jukely in a similar sense it's not really a subscription for you know getting into your favorite artists or some popular shows for free uh in a similar sense where Star Wars isn't on Netflix or sure. a new movie won't be there, you know. Mm. So in Jukely, there's a lot of new and emerging acts. So it's a great subscription service for discovering new artists and going out, uh, seeing live music from different genres in an affordable way. And it does really encourage uh, finding out and discovering uh, new acts. Yeah, yeah. I, I had a quick look at 
some of the things you've been up to before Dukely. And it's very clear to me that you have a background uh, in this industry. So uh, you spent many years as a, a promoter for concerts. Is that right? That's right. So I used to, my background is in engineering. So I studied um, engineering as an undergrad and I was working as a software engineer for many, many years. I mean, I'm, I was just writing code right before you called. So still. Oh, cool. You know, that, that, that <laughs> sorry sorry to interrupt you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so I used to work as a software engineer by day and promote shows by night. Um, you know, so after a while, I decided to marry two of my passions, which is, you know, building products and uh, putting out shows. And that's how Jukli got started. Mm. Could you perhaps uh, take me back to that point in time when you realized that this was something that you wanted to build? Where, you know, I don't know if it was like a slow realization or you suddenly had some some... Uh, tipping point where you knew that Jukli was something that you had to build yourself. What what was kind of going through your mind at that point? Yeah, it was definitely many years in the working. Uh, it didn't come up overnight. I actually used to live in Europe for a while. I used to live in Amsterdam. Um, mm. And what I used to do, so I, I, I actually built something for myself. Uh, at the time, I used to travel on the weekend. So I, I would, for instance, I'd take a flight to Stockholm on a Friday uh, and be there until Sunday night and come back. You know, so I used to do these weekend trips. Right. Uh, but I, I built this recommendation service based on my personal music taste, and I tied it in with Foursquare, where I once you land at the airport, you check in uh, right. in Foursquare, and then the service that I built uh, would send me an email immediately, like within the hour, mm. based on my location to see like what kind of artists that I might like are playing in Stockholm that weekend in the next uh, few days cool. so so you know i kind of built it for myself so i many many years i worked on this like recommendation service for concerts based on my and my friends music tastes mm. um and uh, it was always like a side project um at one point you know like people always encourage side projects mm. which i do as well well one thing i realized is that when you're working on side projects you never have the fear of failure because yeah. if it doesn't work out, you still have your daytime job. So when you don't have the fear of failure, it kind of becomes mediocre. Yeah. Um, in, at one point, I said, you know what? I'm just going to go do this full time, take the risk. Um, and then once the fear of failure kicks in, you really work very hard at it to make it a success. Mm. So you're, you're saying that that's very much a positive thing to have a have the kind of uh metaphorical fire underneath your butt <laughs> like yeah exactly i mean you know it's it's something that you basically dedicate your life on and um and then you have to make it a success especially mm. once you start taking investment money it's even more you, know, you start <laughs> it's, it's if it's not just you if you hire employees everybody's liveliness depends on you and then at that point everything becomes really serious mm. uh, when it's a side project it's kind of like a cute thing so the uh, uh, chances of success are much lower, I think. Sure, sure. Um, was it obvious for you from the beginning that this was going to be like a subscription model for, for Jukli? No, no. Uh, that was a midway uh, realization or an experiment that started working, really. Right. Um, I feel like it's just, you know, before I started Jukli, 
I, I, we were, I just worked on building products for many, many years. And what happens is if, if you are a product builder for a long time, you just start getting humbled a lot because product building is experiments. You come up with features, you put it out there, people mm-hmm. don't care, you build something else, people don't care, you build another one. So it's like a lot of the times, 95%, 99% of the time, the stuff that you're building, people don't want it, they don't care about it, it mm-hmm. fizzles out. 1% of the time, something kind of starts working and then you're like, you know what, there's something here. Let me just uh, work on something a little bit different uh, that, to make it work. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so for Jukli also it started, it's still a series of experiments, always. Mm-hmm. You never know, uh, you know when something is going to catch on. Um, it's similar to you know, mu- success of music. You know, is this song going to be a hit? Is this product going to work? You don't know. It's that X factor. If everybody knew how uh, how to make it work, people would be able to do it all the time. But you know, you don't really see a lot of successful product builders who are able to go and build another one immediately after that. So luck is also a big factor. So when we first started Jukli, uh, recommendation for concerts was the actual technology mm-hmm. and the product. So for a long time, we really built on top of that. Um, and uh, we were working with a lot of venues and promoters who would just uh, you know, give us tickets to give away to our users because we were making really solid recommendations. And mm. they knew that we had an audience to connect with the shows they were putting on. Um, at one point, we said that, you know what, since we're giving these free tickets to people, why don't we experiment with this and just turn this into a thing, start charging for it like a monthly membership and see if it catches on. Mm. Mm. Uh, so we started experimenting here in New York. People liked it. Venues, promoters liked it. Um, and then we launched in a bunch of other cities. Um, and it turns out it's something that uh, is interesting to people. So it started working. Uh, and then basically we then shifted our focus to the subscription as as the main product um, but now you know like we're bringing back more a lot of the recommendation technology that we built um, we kind of put it on the side for a long time because you know that free user experience uh, we turned it off uh, which kind of resulted in several months of one star reviews in the app store yeah, uh, yeah. because you know you're basically shutting down one product which people were using Hmm. Um, so it was a tough decision, but you have to do it sometimes, you know, it's just, Hmm. you know, we had this old product and subscription was just a tab in the app and everybody was getting confused. Like what's this free stuff? And then what is this also in the subscription? Okay. Uh, That's interesting. Yeah. So being able to just focus. So we turned off a lot of the stuff, the old app that we had, it had so many good things in it, you know, recommendations, matching with friends things like that uh but obviously you know it wasn't a money-making thing so at one point you just have to make a decision so we made the decision to turn all of that off and just Mm. be subscription only Mm. uh but now we started bringing all of that back little by little into the subscription service yeah that makes sense as so obviously like uh, jugly now is very much a a real company and i'm sure you have a team uh, working with you you've raised some some very like serious money um are there things that like 
skills personally that you've brought over from your days uh, putting on shows is there are there things that that help you from from that space now as a leader of a business yeah i mean our space is kind of interesting where it's in the middle of the music industry and the tech mm. um so it's an interesting industry where you know not a lot of tech-based entrepreneurs have been very successful. Actually, it's it's just a space that everybody fails all the time. Like I think there's a blog page somewhere that has logos of all the music startups that failed. <laughs> kind of a yeah. scary, very ominous logos of hundreds of failed music startups. Mm. <laughs> Not very encouraging. <laughs> I've certainly I've used a few of them in my time as well. Yeah, you know, it just ends up because there's a bunch of uh, companies who really monopolize and then they don't welcome new startups or innovation because they kind of new ones cut into their comfort zone i guess Mm. Uh, but in that sense the music industry is very difficult to navigate you know some of the former entrepreneurs who built products for the music industry after several years of working on it they just be like, you know, I'm never going to work in music again. They just go build a photo app or something. You know, just, <laughs> you know yeah. so, so, you know, I think my background and relationships that I built over the years of working in, you know, not the music business really, because music business is very different than live music business. Like we have nothing to do with streaming, digital royalties, all that stuff. It's just a whole complex world, yeah. uh, which I don't really know much about. Uh, but the relationships and experience I built was actually in live music, you know, booking of shows, touring, promoting events. Uh, so that helps because, you know, for us, Jukli is actually kind of like a super promoter. We mm-hmm. promote everybody else's shows. Yeah. Uh, so we have, you know, thousands, thousands of events every month that come through uh, our cities, like last Last month alone, New York, I think, had more than 500 shows that our members could wow. choose from. So, you know, so we basically make it our responsibility to make sure those events that's in our services, uh, they are being successful. Mm-hmm. Um, so really, my background as a, as a promoter kind of helps uh, because, you know, it's a marketplace um, and our supply side of the marketplace is being used in promoters. and we just need to understand what their needs are. So since I've been in their shoes before, it helps uh, for us to deliver success to them. Mm. Yeah. How, how did you approach um, pricing of the subscription products? So, I mean, you, 25, uh, it's $25 or is it 25 pounds? I don't remember. Yes, um, both. Okay. So... How did you, did you like test out uh, a bunch of different uh, variations on that? And how did you settle on that? And how do you actually uh, measure the success of, of uh, the, the pricing and the subscription itself? Mm-hmm. So I don't know actually if this is the perfect right price. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe it's not. So we, we haven't really experimented with pricing all that much. Uh, in the beginning, before we launched the subscription, uh, it, it was basically me going around asking people and my friend. I asked a lot of people actually, you know, uh, maybe between more than 50, definitely. Uh, 
Um, it, would you pay for something like this? Would you want unlimited concert subscription? And b- b- without talking about price, people were just saying no. Right. I'm like, why not? Like, isn't this such a cool thing? Why wouldn't you want it? It's like, well, I don't go to concerts that much, and you know, huh. uh, I don't think I'll I want to pay for it. Because they're kind of thinking it will be more than a hundred dollars. Because concert tickets are not that cheap, you know. Yeah. Ten, fifteen, twenty, thirty, forty, higher. Yeah. Um. So, so that'd be like I, I, I'd set a, a standard there. How about something like seventy-five dollars a month? They're like, no, no, you know, that's just extra cost. Um. And how about fifty? No. So how about forty? No, I don't think so. That's too expensive. So I kept going down. So when I said 25, the answer started changing. Like, well, what kind of shows would I be able to get into for 25? Right. Uh, so so that, that was kind of interesting point. I guess people in their mind are trying to figure out it needs to pay for itself. So people are calculating in their minds. If I go to maybe one show or two shows, it, it can't pay for itself. Mm-hmm. So. I think that was kind of like the pivotal moment where uh, it made it more approachable, mm. uh, and um, and that's how we came up with the twenty-five. Because most concert tickets are kind of the, at least the stuff in Jukely, uh We don't really have a lot of really popular acts. Jukely is not about popular artists. Sure, you know, it's about emerging acts. Yeah. So when you go to emerging actuals, they range between $15 to $25. So if you go one or two times, it pays for itself. Um, so I, I think that makes it more friendly in terms of pricing. But uh, I think we just need to experiment more, like something cheaper, something a lot more expensive. Uh, people's expectations are very different, and we haven't really done much to experiment around pricing yet. Mm. Do you offer more uh, more plans, or is it literally just the twenty five dollar uh, plan? We do. So twenty five dollar gets you uh, two days acts two days before the show. You start seeing. So there's like a window. If the show is on Saturday, right. And if you're on the twenty five dollar plan, you can start claiming your spots on Thursday, two days before. There's a thirty five dollar plan that gives you a five day window. Uh, so it gives you a little bit earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if you want to bring a second person with you, the plus one plan. So it's 25 and 45. Um, and for the 35, it's 35 and 65. So it's like $5 less than just doubling okay. the original single person plan. And then, and then we came up with an annual plan that gives you two months off, mm-hmm. uh, which is 360 or 650 depending on plus one or single plan. Uh, so then you pay for upfront and that gives you you know, the two months off and also eight days window so that you get earlier access. Uh, but then, you know, we allow our members, if they stick around, they can earn for every, every three months, they can earn an extra day of claim window. So if they don't cancel their plans, their membership gets better for them over time. Right. Okay. So there are almost you're almost re- there's almost like a gamification thing there of um, like leveling up over time. Um, yeah. So I mean, I don't like the word gamification, but 
<laughs> okay, forget so, I said that. You know, it's just basically, you know, for us, that's what I learned. I mean, I, I'm, I learned the subscription business once we launched the subscription. I, yeah. I wish I knew more about mm. it before. There's a lot of lessons learned, learned between. Uh, but re- retention is really the most important thing. You know what you want. You don't want people to cancel their subscriptions. Yeah. Uh, so basically, we made loyalty and uninterrupted subscriptions um, a thing that we we reward. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So so be- people can earn uh, earn rewards by you know not canceling their subscription. Mm. Uh, that actually kind of leads on to to something I was going to ask you, um, which is around metrics. Uh, it, it sounds like your if, if there will be one metric that's that's really like your compass metric that that you're driving to improve, it's it's retention, right? Would I be right there? Well, in the, there's one metric that we look at that leads to retention, and that's something called the member happiness index. Okay, is that your own uh, metric, or is that something yeah. that's defined? Yeah. Okay. So it's an internal metric that we came up with, and, and we realized um, uh, in con- so constant subscription is a new thing, right? It, mm. Nobody, um, nobody had it before. I mean, I think maybe there are some local, you know, subscription type of things before, but uh, at the scale that we have, like a global uh, subscription service that people spend invest a lot of money into <laughs> yeah so yeah. i think we're the first one as far as i know i mean there's some like new ones coming out i guess but um so for us the consumer expectation uh was non-existent people didn't know what to expect yeah so that's our biggest challenge you know coming in what is a concert subscription like you know people come in with thinking they'll get into festivals and huge shows at the arenas and things like that you know they'll Oh, twenty-five dollars a month. If I can't get into Coachella, what good is this? You know, <laughs> stuff like that. Yeah. So there's all these like kind of expectations there. Um, so really, for us, it expectation management is a big part of uh, our challenges and understanding what makes a member happy and what makes a member frustrated um, is really important. So like we need to give them as much as we can afford to without you know getting them into unprofitable like because we don't want to pay out uh more on their behalf than what they're paying us then they become unprofitable for us right so sure um so that's like uh that's like a challenge so we came up with this member happiness index uh that you know we're looking at our members behavior the kind of shows they're going to and things like that and looking at their music tastes and to see if we're able to satisfy them. Um, also, you know, without ourselves being unprofitable because it, we can satisfy them by sending them to a like, bunch of really expensive shows and festivals and they'll be very, very happy. Mm-hmm. But then we'll run out of money and we'll shut down the business. Okay. So it's like a balance of, of hap- happiness versus like uh, profitability in a way. Exactly. So like, you know, we we need to basically we have the you know supply side which is our promoters and menus and we have our members or our subscribers so we need to make both of them happy right because if the promo if we're not paying the promoters uh enough then they're unhappy then we lose our supply and if we're not giving yeah our members enough then they're unhappy we lose our you know demand so yeah which is a problem of any any marketplace right i mean you've got to satisfy both sides 
Exactly. And it's super, super hard because like nobody uh, wrote any medium blog posts about what I learned from my <laughs> service. Like there's nothing for me to read. I yeah. have to read like our team constantly. We experiment, we find out, we learn, we make mistakes, we try another thing. So there's just like if you're in SaaS, I guess people have been around, people have built successful SaaS businesses that make hundreds of millions of dollars in sales. You can just go learn and read all these books and get the best practices and do the good things and not do the bad things. Mm. There's no such thing for us. We just have to learn all the bad things and stop doing them and learn all the good things and double down on them. Yeah. Yeah. If, if, um, I mean, if there was somebody else wanting to, to launch something in a similar space, what, given the, the years of, of experience you have here, like what would be your advice to them? I think the most important thing is really understanding unit economics uh, right. of, of the service, right? So especially last year, venture community started paying attention to this way more than they used to. Mm. Um, so as a, as a startup entrepreneur, you know, you have to build a good product that people want. At the same time, you know, you have to have a sustainable business model. Uh, you know, a lot of companies who raise a lot of money uh, started spending their money on growth without re realizing um, if that growth is sustainable once the money isn't there. Yeah. And then a bunch of them started shutting down because they ran out of money and they weren't able to raise another round. So mm -hmm. that was really shocking, I think, you know, to me and a lot of people in the community, you know, you did this like huge startup that you think was killing it. The next mm. day, you read on TechCrunch that, oh, they just shut down. Like they sent an email yesterday. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> we, were, we were using some of them ourselves. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so that kind of becomes an eye opener for you that as entrepreneurs, uh, we kind of get lost in this game where, oh, you know, you have to grow the company, you have to show some crazy growth to impress your investors, um, and then you become a slave to the grind, yeah. you know, so to speak. Um, mm. And then and then you kind of lose uh, lose track of what's really important. Um, and what's really important is the is this what we're doing. Yeah, you can throw money at growth, right? Mm. You know, like, it's very easy to spend this money. You know, like, investors give you millions of dollars. And trust me, Facebook does a great job taking your millions of dollars from you. You know, so <laughs> they're ads team, they're professionals. You know, yeah. it's uh, yeah. So, so it's very easy to spend this money, but uh, not you got to make sure you're spending on the right things. Uh, and I think my biggest lessons learned is that you know before you start, I mean, everybody says this; it's so common sense, but you you know a lot of people just don't do it. You know, everybody says when it's a leaky bucket, don't start putting more water in it before fixing the leaks, yep. right? It's just so common sense, but yet you still end up doing it. <laughs> a lot of yeah. people still do it. Uh, and then you realize, and sometimes this bucket is not fixable at all, or you just didn't have enough time to fix the bucket, and then there's no more water. So, so my 2016 for us has been all about improving our unit economics and retention. Right. What is, um, uh, I, I want to be respectful of your time. Uh, so I'm just going to ask you uh, one more question, I think. But just looking forwards, what is 2017 for you? Uh, where do you see Jukli going? And, and what's your vision for, for the product in the longer term? 
Yeah, so our short vision is uh, introduce more live music into people's lives. You know, mm. uh, we, want, we want to inspire people to discover new music, new and emerging artists, get them to go out more uh, with their friends and see more, see more live music. You know, when you ask people, a lot of people say that they aspire to go and see more live music, but mm -hmm. life gets in the way and they just don't end up doing it. So, you know, once you have a Juke membership, it's, it's very easy to do that. So, you know, we want to inspire people more uh, in that sense. So in, in 2007, we're really uh, going to, you know, work on our product and our offering and the ways we want to inspire people to kind of care about the newer and emerging acts um, and, you know, get them to go and check out more uh, live music this way. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, you know, so like from a product vision perspective. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and of course, you know, as a subscription company, you know, thanks to, you know, you know a lot of the things that I'm using from Chart Mogul, uh, you know, that, you know, kind of improve our uh, subscription uh, health of unit economics. Mm -hmm. uh, even more, you know, we, we've done a pretty good job. You know, I, I like looking at at the end of the month, uh, you know, chart moguls, the LTV and the, you know, to churn, you know, it's just like the chart is going in the right direction and it helps. <laughs> I actually like using, uh, the, the, the custom, uh, custom tags API that chart mogul right. introduced, uh, several months back. That's my favorite. Uh, so, you know, I, I upload, some specific member data to chart mogul uh, and I look at, you know, how they are performing in different cohorts and things like that. So that gives us uh, a very good window into, uh, you know, the depths of our member behavior. So yeah. we don't treat everybody the same, you know, it's just, uh, everybody's different, you know, what they do, what kind of music they like, what kind of shows they go to, how often they go to it, you know, stuff like that. So I think it's really important to understand, um, so, yeah. so that's, that we're going to continue, you know, focusing on that. Um, and then I, I think desire to growth will come after that. So like really, we don't really think or care about growth at the moment. Right. Right. So it's really like fixing the bucket. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I think we've done a really good job and came to a point where we feel comfortable now, yeah. but of course there's always room for improvement you know sure um and uh and and our service is still so new uh and i think we need to just work on this a lot more mm. uh and it's not going to be it's not going to be a short term thing it's, it's it requires a behavior change mm -hmm. um you know and uh you know people will tell you behavior change is one of the hardest thing that you can achieve in a, in a product mm -hmm. yeah no, i agree um this has been really cool. I, there's so much here, I think, to find out. But for for your kind of uh, space, as you said, there's there's definitely a lot of things that are unique to um, to the music or the live music industry. But I, I think there's a lot that people can take away to other other verticals as well. So um, yeah, this is really cool. I have two more requests. One of them uh, is please launch in Berlin sometime <laughs> because I would <laughs> love to see that. And uh, the second one, if, if you have, um, if you'd like to invite people to, to come and find out more, or if you're hiring, um, please feel free to, to let people know where they can uh, see more information there. Yeah. So 
I mean, we'll see. You know, I'd, I'd love to launch in Berlin at some point too, but you know, we're not really thinking about launching in more cities at the moment as we're working on the core. Sure. Um, and uh, and yeah, people can go to jukely.com, j-u-k-e-l-y.com, uh, you know, and, and check it out. And uh, yeah, so like we're we're always hiring, and you can go check out the jobs there. Uh, you know, anybody who has uh, passion in live music and good designers and engineers and folks uh, who are interested in working in startups we're always open to talking to them cool awesome uh bora thanks so much it's it's been great talking to you and um yeah have a nice uh, rest of your day no thank you very much appreciate it Take cheers care. goodbye <laughs>